Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to 801 Critical Conversations Beyond Backstage. Uh, we are here back again with your three most favorite hosts, John, Jen, and myself, Herman. Uh, here on an on a equally special episode for those of you faithful listeners out there that have been following us along on this call to action series, um, We've taken quite a journey these past few weeks uh, listening to uh, different people's stories and specific three different people that were gracious enough to lend us their time. And we thought about after episode three here, we, we John, Jen, and myself were kind of discussing about, okay, what, so what now? Is it just over? Is it not? And we just talked about how much we really unloaded in these past few weeks and how much we learn from individual stories and at the same time we're we're able to kind of see the bigger picture here and 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 kind of see it before us as opposed to just kind of theorizing what else is going out there uh so we really thought it would just be appropriate to get together for one last time here on this call to action series and kind of kind of put a button on a series and, and bring it all together here uh, was just uh, just sharing some reflections here, just kind of spitballing some thoughts, uh, some reactions about how, how we felt through this all. And uh, certainly uh, we'll, we'll also start off this episode by welcoming all of our listeners to please reach out to us uh, with their opinions, their thoughts, their reflections, and uh, it, it will just add uh, so much to this. Um, uh, and, and again, it's worth shouting out our three guests uh ruby perez ralph zito and ryan george uh who joined us in on these episodes in the creation of this thank you so much to their time for their willingness to share and uh and i and i, and I guess i'll throw it off to to john and jen i, I certainly uh, our audience has certainly heard lots about me uh lots from me for these episodes so uh, why don't you kick us off, uh, John or Jen, as far as w- what were some gut reactions? What were some uh, first impressions here uh, as to what we heard on these last three episodes? So I think my my first, my initial gut reaction, especially as I went back and listened to the episodes again to sort of prepare for today, is um, how much I sort of related to ralph's episode and then i completely like withdraw from that idea because that's completely not the point um and the fact that i'm most like ralph out of our group uh, of of visitors um and so so sort of subconsciously of course i'm gonna uh relate most to what he had to say so for me personally, I think there's not that his contribution wasn't valuable, but I, I can increase my empathy and increase my learning and, and expand my own subconsciousness uh, by hearing the other visitors uh, more or more actively, I guess would be the way to say it, like. I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm struggling to find the words, but uh, I realized that I I 
had a little bit of sub- subconscious bias um, it, it, and not purposely. And I appreciate all of our guests, right? But but that's a real thing that happens to people. Uh, so I, I check that hard. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're when you're talking about uh, how you relate to Ralph and uh, just just for our audience sake, just to be clear, John, I'm I'm going to assume that you're talking about the identifiers. Well, uh, well, primarily being a white male. Well, I think white male. I'm on the faculty side. Um, and, and, and I think in those ways, right, if, if I'm going to, to look at myself in any of these situations, it's going to be in Ralph's shoes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's more important that I walk a mile in Ruby's shoes uh, or Ryan's shoes, um, for me to like expand my own personal thought processes and, and, and defeat my subconscious bias. Right. So I don't, I, I don't necessarily know which, which part of that I relate most to, whether it's the fact that I'm the faculty member or the fact that I'm also a white man, right? Like, um, and I don't know if I would have identified the same way if we happen to have a BIPOC faculty member, uh, and I would feel the most linked to them because the faculty part is the identifier. Um, but yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I w- I would guess it's just a little bit of both. You know, being I mean, being all of faculty, it together, right? Right. Yeah. yeah being yeah. faculty, being white male. Yeah. You know, and I, there's certainly nothing wrong in that. I I I could have using that those kind of parameters. I probably would have related to Ruby the most uh, being from Latin backgrounds. I, her story of how she got the cal, how she got the college, how she got interest in the arts to begin with. And the stories there, I, I could certainly relate th- uh, to her and have some similarities in her story. Um, Jenna, what about yourself? It's funny. Cause as, as John was talking about relating to Ralph, I was thinking about some of the things Ralph said about the institution Right, and I, I've heard those things in the last year and at my own institution, and I also run up against some of those things at my own institution. So I, I definitely felt that, but Ryan, George and I are living two different sides of the same story, right? Um, although I don't actually perceive us as being on two different sides of the same story because when that letter came out from UF, I, you know, I haven't been at UF very long. And I know that one of the reasons I came back to education is that I think there has to be a better way to educate. I didn't necessarily have the full scope of awareness in terms of um, how much anti-racist work needed to be done at every institution in this country. So I'm not in any way claiming to have come back fully aware of all the things ready to fix them. Um, But I do think that I was aware you know, of how, how, how things are not right in some of these institutions and how things are not right in the industry and how harmful they can be to, to people, to human beings. Um, and I think that's the thing that was overwhelming to me. It's just how clear 
these younger generations are about the value of humanity um, and how they're able to express that. Just listening specifically to Ruby, it's just really remarkable that she is in her early 20s and just has this clarity, right? And she had clarity in high school on what was happening too in terms of culture and humanity. And without that, I don't think this moment exists. Yeah. Uh, what, what you have me thinking about here is, uh, I guess, playing a little bit of devil's advocate. Um, I, I agree about the amount of clarity that she has, uh, especially at her age. Uh, what What does what does that clarity get her though? Yeah. So I think that I think back to, to being in college, you know, and we had our things we were going to write letters and protest about, and none of them were anywhere near the seriousness of, of racism, right? They were young, privileged, crazy things. We felt compelled to write a letter to the department about. Um, And the the, the way in which that was received was actually appropriate, right? Because we were young and privileged and ridiculous. So it was received by faculty as if these students were ridiculous, right? And so I, I don't know this to be true, but I just wonder if these students were less aware, less composed, how would that have been received by these institutions? if the Syracuse University alumni, if there were two names on it, right? If the University of Florida letter had been one student or, you know, a student who maybe had an academic problem at some point, not that I know anything about anybody's academics at all who signed this letter, I do not. Um, could the faculty or the administrator receiving these letters sort of have brushed them off? And the composure and the clarity of individuals like Ruby or Ryan, I think added to uh, the seriousness of, of these letters. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think our current times also uh, facilitated that? Yes, yes. And I think, you know, um, Ralph talked a little bit about what was happening in Syracuse six, six months, I think, prior. Um, I spent time in Syracuse just for our, our listeners who don't know that. So I had been there in December of 2019. And when he was talking about the, the things going on on campus with nooses and swastikas, I remember reading about that when I was there. And so Certainly there between that and George Floyd and then the We See You letter, certainly there was a heightened awareness. Um, and also with coronavirus, there was time and, and space for people to actually take in all of these things that were happening. I, I definitely think it played a role, but I, I'm just very impressed by the, the voices. I guess maybe part of being impressed by the voices is that I wouldn't have had that ability to be that clear when I was 20, 25, 29, right? 
I don't I don't know that I would have had the the awareness and the it, it makes me think that you know this stuff was happening when when I was a student right like in whatever in whatever like regard or or, or whatnot but um it, they weren't they weren't the problems I had right and so so being more aware of it and I think that the environment as a whole um that Jen just laid out uh empowered students to have that voice uh and and faculty had to listen. Everyone had to listen, right? I guess I also wonder, I'm at an institution where faculty listened. We spoke to uh, Ralph at Syracuse. They clearly listened. It sounds like Michigan listened. There's gotta be institutions out there that didn't listen, right? Uh, yeah, there certainly are. Um, uh, I, I will, I will certainly not abuse the little bit of information that I do have, uh, but to share with our listeners as prior to even starting the series, uh, we were doing our homework. We were researching and seeing what was out there, who, who got letters, who, who, who didn't, what kind of responses, who was willing to share, et cetera, et cetera. And we got a good amount of responses from people that said that they had received a letter. Um, not everybody was willing to share. Uh, and to speak to the, the clarity point that you were just making, Jen, just to further support that, uh, I received an email from a person who said they did not receive a letter per se uh, I guess the question I had, I had asked is, hey, did anybody receive letters? Yes, or no. And he, uh, I would love to hear about the story if you did. And this person replies saying, uh, we didn't receive a letter, but would you be interested in a bunch of alumni complaining about things? And it, it, I'm tying it into your clarity kind of thing because here is a perspective of somebody that's sharing and I don't know what was said. I, I did not follow up with this person because I took it as I made a very big assumption that those alumni that this person was talking about uh, just complaining weren't actually complaining. They were trying to voice their difficulties and this specific person took it as not the moment of clarity uh, that it should have been taken as. And instead of just kind of dismissed it as, oh, here are just a bunch of people bitching, right? And uh, there's no need to pay attention. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, so yeah, it's still out there. It's still out there. And, and I'm sure that there was people that probably ignored some complaints, ignored any call to action that was kind of attempted um even in ralph's own story of prior to pandemic and and prior to george floyd and prior to all this the difficulties that they were having on campus the response then was very different to the response now um 
and it, it's it's kind of a, a silver lining of this tragic pandemic, but giving people that time to listen and having people to actually listen kind of helped out. Um, yeah, so um, so we, we've talked here about kind of those initial moments of who we identified with and, and why and, and, and just connection there. And I can only assume, it certainly applies to me, but I can only assume to you two as well, that after making that initial connection, uh, your, your journey went somewhere else, right? You, you then learned new things, discovered new things and made new connections and uh, maybe had even kind of like little light bulb moments of like, oh, I, I had seen that and didn't realize what that was until it's been verbalized to me. Um, any moments like that that you guys care to share? Yeah, yeah, John, go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, throughout Ralph's episode, he talked about intent versus impact. Um, and that really resonated with me in articulating uh, uh, something that's been going on for me for the longest time. Like for as long as I can remember in, working in technical theater, you know, I'm a, I'm a big guy, I'm a loud guy, and, and I don't always have my intent versus impact doesn't match a lot. And I've been working on this like going on, going on 20 years, right? Like my entire adult life, being aware uh, of, of my intent versus my impact, and I still stumble on it every day. Uh, and it gave me a new way of thinking about it. And this isn't just about uh, actions. It's also about how I talk and uh, the situation in which I put myself in how I'm addressing people uh, and, and through and through. Uh, so being able to articulate it and think about it in that way uh, is helpful. I think I'm a little bit increasingly harder on myself with the impact uh, because, because to me, intent doesn't, doesn't really matter because you can't share that with someone in the moment. Um, and Ralph said, you know, you need to honor intent, but acknowledge impact. Uh, and, and I think it needs to be, you need to acknowledge intent, but honor impact, if that makes any sense. Um, because it's not about me. It's about the perception of, how the, the other party feels and receives what I'm saying or doing. Um, mm -hmm. So that, yeah, that's yeah. a hard thing for me personally. And, you know, Herman, you've known me for a long time. Like I, I, I feel like I've grown a lot in, in these regards, but uh, definitely a work in progress forever for the rest of my life for sure right every day learning every day trying to be a little bit better uh but but understanding impact and action and 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 forecasting that with your intent yeah 
Yeah. I, I equally enjoyed that phrase a lot too. It was a great way to kind of sum up things. It also kind of speaks to having follow through on the decisions that you make, you know, because uh, because the whole reason people's intent and impact on the line is because you make a decision that you think is for the better and then you walk away from that decision. You just go off and say, especially if you're in a leadership type role, you just go off and say, go make it so. And you think to yourself, hey, I'm doing good. Just wait until they see that happen. But when your impact doesn't line up, it it just kind of speaks to the fact that you yourself, the decision maker, didn't really think it through and didn't play it out in your own head as far as how is this going to get perceived. You you attended to just check a box, whether it was a conscious or an unconscious thing, right? It was it was accidentally or intentionally done, but that's the way it now comes across because there wasn't that follow through of like, it, and is my decision going to make the correct impact? It, and and it's so, for to me, it, it transcends so many different ideas of, of it's like a major philosophy now for me, I think. And it's articulating something I've already thought about. But the it, it's not just about your words. It's about your actions. It's about hardware choices. It's about, you know, all of it, right? You, you can think about it in all of it. Well, I picked this piece of hardware. My intent was that this keychain carabiner loads in quick and it's cheap, right? But it broke. And the impact is that something fell or whatever, right? Like not to diminish the the concept, but I, I'm trying to to broaden how 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 much this means to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the impact, the intent versus impact, and I also I would say impact or action, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you can have good intent but bad actions. So mm-hmm. I think. Oh. One thing that sticks out to me in this is if we apply intent and impact to a microaggression. So Ruby told a story about being in a room auditioning for college um, where the first question or one of the first questions posed to her was, how are you going to pay for this program? I'm sure whoever that recruiter was did not have the intention of making a racially based statement or making Ruby uncomfortable or pushing her sort of spiritually and emotionally out the out of the room while she was literally still sitting in the room. Um, but it really doesn't matter what that person intended. I actually can't even imagine what that person intended because as a, as a college student, are you gonna be able to even answer that crazy question? Like probably not, right? Um, regardless of of the racial overtones of it. And she was probably better suited to answer that question than I would have been in that room at that time in my life. Sure, sure. But I think that's where I think a lot of people, historically at least, I'm hoping awareness is, is going up. A lot of people, when confronted with a story like that, would have just been like, oh, well, that's not what I intended and moved on. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's that that fluffing it off and moving on that just can't happen anymore. We can we can all acknowledge a mistake, right? And learn from a mistake and be open to change. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it's so easy to react to the macro aggressions, you know, because they're because the impact is so much bigger and stuff. But uh, I, I don't. I think a lot of people are not aware as to the amount of damage that these microaggressions and these incidents of gaslighting do to a person. Because uh, again, relating to Ruby's journey and and looking at our past when we were students of her age, uh, you know, things that would keep me quiet are those little microaggressions. Like that's internally I could be working up the courage to say something and then something like that happens and it's enough to topple me back and just like oh this isn't the moment to say anything just you know keep quiet I'm I'm certainly wasn't as much as I as much as things may have been clear in my head I'm certainly not gonna do what I'm doing now and grab a mic back then and 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 make some announcements uh those little incidents, you know, it happens in one class and then I go to the next class and it happens again. And then I go to rehearsal and it happens again. It, it's an, it's present enough to just kind of keep you down and to say like, Oh, maybe I'll wait for the next one or I'll wait for the next one. And, and those moments just never come. Uh, so it's those little things that people don't think about and, and people's reactions to it being like what just, just what Jen just said of just fluffing it off. and like, ah, it's, He'll get over. It. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Um, uh, I also wanted to highlight uh, Ryan because what what stood out to me the most about Ryan's stuff is that there are so many things in his story that are quote unquote easy, easy, so very easy that he did like he he just picked up the phone and reached out back to, to his school and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm here to help, you know? Um, Cause it was just the right thing to do. You know, that's, that's such an easy decision to make. And when, when you're in your personal social groups and whatnot, and that's, that's the way that I'd like to believe we all talk of like, Hey, this is a, this is the right thing to do, especially when we're talking about other people. Oh, they should have done this because that would have been the right thing to do. Um, and he just talked. And the other thing of advice that he put into action and that Ralph gave of uh, just alumni going back to school and connecting with your alma maters. And, you know, I, th- I think of I, I think of this because we're in football season right now, but think about like college football and how much alumni pride there's out there to support your sports, your sports team. And that same pride could be there for your theater program, whatever that is. And, and why, why not have that connection there? Why not capitalize again? It's, he made it seem like it was so easy, but there's a lot of schools that don't have that connection. You, you graduate and you move on, you know, you may have your fond memories, but you don't physically connect. And I would also say that, um, I think Ryan definitely came at it from a completely like uh, generous perspective. But the fact of the matter is, uh, if you can do anything to make the program you went to better, uh, you're making your degree worth more, right? So it like not to be self-serving or whatever, 
because none of I don't think anyone we spoke with was self-serving at all. Um, they were all very generous, but the idea of making the program you graduated from better will make your degree worth more uh, mm -hmm. out in the industry, right? Like eventually yeah. you get to a point where you're measured on your own merits, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. But also worth saying it, it, it takes two to tango. Yeah. But in order for Ryan to be able to do that, he, he needed to have what she did. He needed to have somebody on a university side willing to listen uh, and, and willing to meet him halfway. Um, of course. So yes, yeah, so it works both ways. Uh, uh, another interesting thing. So he, here we are. We spoke to uh, a young Latin female, a, uh, uh, I, I will say, a middle-aged white male uh, in a somewhere in between that black male. Uh at three different universities, three different states, uh, three different letters, three guests that knew absolutely nothing about one another. And yet when you put those letters side by side, the amount of similarities is both astonishing, but at the same time not, right? It's just... It's, it's stuff that people have been talking about and now you're just seeing it in, 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 in writing there. But, uh, you know, as, as much as the individual story is unique, the overall problem is national. And, and I think it was highlighted through their stories there. Uh, I, I don't think that three years ago, we, we would have had the same perspective, right? So I, I think that in this moment and moving forward as an industry, we need to do better. And, and I hope that we don't run out of gas as things are starting to open back up. Uh, you know, we're going back to our old practices uh, in a lot of ways, but I hope that everyone's structure learned something and, and moves forward. Uh, some people are doing better than others, uh, but again, make tomorrow better than yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. I think Ruby sort of touched on this too, which is like, it's marketable now to do this work. Um, but marketable and, and monetizing the work is, is like totally unacceptable, right? So I agree with you, John, that as we're opening up, I hope that institutions, companies, individuals will will do the work, but it has to it has to become a daily value to do the work. And there's like, I mean, from the point where this this letter was sent to to UF till which was summer of 2020, till like June of 2021, it was the most exhausting year and it wasn't COVID, 
it was the anti-racist work and the learning and it was the, the workshop in the middle of finals week that all the faculty sat through for two and a half straight days on, on Zoom when you know faculty just wants to be done, right? But it was, we were committed to, to doing the work. And so we did the work. And it's not to say the work is over now that we're in fall of, of 2021. It is not over. It's just, we've sort of adjusted and it doesn't feel as exhausting anymore. Um, but people, institutions, organizations have to commit to the, the real honest work and make it a, a value that's internal. Just because things are hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do them. And hard things are usually the things most worth doing, right? Because they have the biggest value and the biggest impact to go back to that word, right? It is hard and it's uncomfortable and there's resistance in the room where you aren't aware there's resistance in the room, right? And you just have to somehow keep going in, in big ways and small ways. Any, any bit that you can move forward just has to go forward. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately the burden hasn't gone away, you know, like I, I, I I'm, I'm kind of being pretty audacious here and speaking on behalf of minorities, uh, because it, what you're talking about, Jen is, is a dilemma that I find myself going through on a, on a daily basis, even with our own podcast here of, because it is the in thing to do because it is trending, uh, yes, I have been given many opportunities in comparison to what I was given. I've, I've been given more opportunities to, to voice myself, to share an opinion, to, to give my perspective, to uh, you know, be part of some brainstorming session, brainstorming session or some educational moment or, uh, and, and be heard and whatnot. And on the one hand, yes that's great that's nice and you and you kind of want to push forward and just kind of take full advantage of every platform and and just really kind of ram that message home and you think to yourself if i say it enough time you know if you just play the game of the odds if you put it out there enough it's going to stick it's eventually going to stick uh but it it doesn't stop you from being a target it does it like because that resistance is still there right you there's people that say oh share we want you to share we really want to listen from that minority voice and then when they hear it it turns out oh they didn't want to listen to that they didn't think that was coming uh and it and it makes people defensive and now you're the bad guy and and that and that burden is still there and that awkwardness is still there and that emotional turmoil is still there. And then at the end of that speech that you thought was going to be this best speech that you ever gave, now you have to kind of recover and be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't really mean that and just kind of backtrack and make a joke out of it and, and do what we were complaining about. You, you have to kind of fluff off your own stuff and, and regroup and recover and figure out what your new tactics are and, how much damage did you do to yourself? How much do you did you do to the the greater good and whatnot? And and then you end up again if you're given enough platforms, you almost end up kind of picking and choosing, like because it's just hard to fight so much um, and and kind of figure it out. Like so, you, you you're left with that question of is it is it worth the fight? You know, am I am I doing 
am I getting enough good out there in the world? You know, and it's uh, it's tricky because it's not it's not something that's kind of quantifiable like that. It's or or at least it doesn't have a quick turnaround. Um, you know, you you may not even see your results until like a year from now or or more. Um, you know, one of the things that has struck me about all the the letters. Um, whether it's we see you or the letters that went to, to schools is like, if we undo some of the structures in, in theaters, and if we talk about technical theater, it's easy to just pick at 10 of 12s, right? If we were to undo that 10 of 12 structure, you know how many white people that helps? <laughs> right? Like I, I, <laughs> I, we're not doing it because we're trying to help white people, but there's so many structures that are actually damaging to every human, regardless of their race, that if people would just listen, get out of their own way and make change, they themselves, regardless of their race, would benefit from the demands in these letters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it requires a huge change of mentality, but yes, I, I agree, you know. Because uh, I also agree that the current mentality is not the right one. Right. Um, but yeah, there there seems to be kind of like a thought out there that necessarily has been, it hasn't necessarily been verbalized this way. Uh, but if people aren't working, if people aren't the theater in the theater actively doing something, we're losing money. Uh, and that thought is kind of the problem in itself. Um, clearly we can continue unpacking here we can continue offloading these things here. Uh, this is just a, a little sample of what, uh, Ruby, Ralph and Ryan were able to bring to our attention in the immediate moment. Um, again, very thankful for their stories. Uh, but, uh, uh, we we kind of leave it to the rest of the audience now to kind of reflect amongst themselves, amongst their groups, and and what what else what else did you guys get out of this? Um, you know, everybody's journey, everybody's perspective is different, so uh, these stories could have had multiple good impacts, uh, educational impacts across the board. Uh, so um, hopefully, this stirs up many more conversations. Um, any closing thoughts uh, before uh, before we go away here as far as uh, what we got out of this call to action series? If I if I had to put a word on it for, from from John, uh, grateful. I'm, I'm grateful for the work that my co-host Jen and Herman did to set this up. I'm grateful for the guests. I'm grateful for the guests sharing. I'm grateful for the guests doing what they have done uh, for the good of themselves, for the good of their colleagues, for the good of our industry, for the good of people. Uh, and a lot of it's work that I couldn't do uh, for like all the reasons. 
Um, but I, I'm grateful. To, yeah. Yeah, I will echo that. Um, I think particularly I'm grateful to Ryan George because his activism has had a direct impact on, on my work environment, but also on me as a, as a human being. And anytime I get to interact with him, I'm, I'm right there. And I would say the same for the other two guests too. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you to uh, everybody involved here, uh, both my co-host and the guests. Um, and, and all together with our listeners, uh, here we go, kind of continue to push this industry forward in a better direction. It is quite the boulder to push up quite the big mountain here. Um, but, uh, little by little, hopefully, uh, I think as, as emotionally beat up as we may be, as I may sound at this current moment, uh, what we all share is the fact that it, at the end of some very dark abyss, there is a little light of that we still share for this industry, a passion that we still share for this industry. Uh, we're sticking it out for a reason um, that because we believe at the end of the day in this industry and what it could be in the, the intent and the impact of the industry of what the arts are supposed to be and uh, how we believe in that uh, end result. And we just all want that to be better uh, and be done in a sustainable fashion. So uh, it's certainly gonna be a group effort and uh, let's, let's push ahead forward. Um, thank you all again. Uh, looking forward now as to what's up next on our podcast uh we'll be bringing back our last call so stay tuned for that and just another reminder to check us out on all social media uh little fun fact it seems very obvious to a lot of people maybe not uh not to others but uh feel free to tell your your alexa or your google home to play you the 801 podcast you can do that voice commands i just tried it earlier today it was kind of neat pull up my own podcast. It's fun. Uh, so check it out. Uh, but other than that, thank you all that were involved. Thank you to our listeners for checking us out uh, and stay tuned for the next podcast here. Thank you and good night. All right. Hello again and welcome back to yet again another last call, the return of the great last calls. Uh, and just as before on this last call, we have a very special guest with us. Uh, very grateful to have them here with us. Um, and we'll start off with his introduction. Take it away. Hello, I'm TJ Wildo. Pronouns are he, him. I'm currently a senior at the University at Buffalo. Uh, currently focusing in stage production and technical management. Awesome. Welcome, TJ. Uh, welcome here to our infamous pod bar here at 801. Um, before we get to, down to the real reason as to why you're here, uh, we'd like to do a little warm up, a little rapid fire questions here. Just try to get to know you a little bit better, uh, uh, get a little bit of a 360 perspective as to who TJ is, what makes TJ tick. Um, so 
we've already established you are a student at the University of Buffalo, uh, uh, majoring in in management and uh, technical production ish. I saw your head nod. Nobody else saw it, but I'm here to verbalize that to everybody. Uh, uh, and uh, last year. So all that being said, the following questions, which I already know I'm going to have to edit some because you answered some already. Uh, the following questions are meant to be answered with very minimal thought, uh, whatever comes to mind first. Uh, and, and some of these uh, are intentionally meant to be more fun. So feel free to get loose with it, get fun with it. And we'll start off easy here. Um, where, where are you from? Where, where were you born? So I'm from Rochester, New York, which is an hour east of Buffalo. Have you ever left the Northeast then? I have not. I have not lived anywhere else besides Western New York. Oh, very cool. Where would you go? Oh, boy. Um, I think a part of me would love to stay in New York State and maybe move to New York City, but um, I've heard that cities like Chicago um, and Philadelphia have a little bit promise and lower cost of living. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the fun versus the practical. Gosh. Uh, okay. I'm going to put you on the spot here because you already hinted at uh, a little undecisiveness as far as what you're going to do. So gut reaction, pick one track right now. What do you like? Uh, I, I would have to go with production management. All right. <laughs> For the win. Cool. Don't worry. You're not committed to this. Uh, these answers don't mean anything really to the rest of your life. Uh, uh, favorite job that you've had so far? Oh, that's a good one. Um, theater or non-theater? Or industry, uh, uh, let, Let's say within the industry. Not, it doesn't have to be theater specific. Okay. Um. I don't, I, maybe a little bit of a recency bias, but um, last summer I was at the Santa Fe Opera and as a stage career apprentice, and that was just a wonderful experience uh, being a good blend of like learning, but also like getting to know a group of, you know, 20 individuals super well over a super tight time frame and working together and making things happen. And especially coming back from COVID, that would, it was just very memorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certainly lots of memorable things out there. Even geography-wise, it's also very pretty out there. Um, uh, okay, uh, how often would you say in a month's period you're on Zoom? Uh, less now, which is great. It's actually, I would say, twice a week, so eight times a month. Uh, but ugh, last semester is every day, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of also self-interest there in that question, seeing how much Zoom is fading out for my own reference. Uh, okay, twice a week. That's great. Eight times a month. For, for how long each time? Um, I, I only have one class, uh, so it's maybe like two, an hour and a half. Yeah, tops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Great. 24 hours a month. Uh, okay. Uh, if you can pick one superpower and one superpower only, what would it be? A tough one. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go with the practical option. It's, it's got to be to stop time, like flying invincibility. That, that that's cool. But like, if you can stop time, you can make 
such calculated decisions and like also you can just stop time which is cool on its own <laughs> yeah yeah very very practical for our job <laughs> need an extension there you go right, right. uh okay uh favorite color mm, blue i should know that answer <laughs> i don't but we'll go with blue uh what's a favorite hobby of yours um outside of theater uh i really like playing soccer and running uh to keep myself physical and i'm giving more than one not sorry uh and i've been getting into photography but it's a little expensive so into photography is that we said yeah 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 very cool yeah and soccer man production (laughs) management in soccer that's like you're in my corner here tj oh yeah 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 uh okay uh as far as what you have discovered in your career so far, what would you say your favorite tool is? Oh, man. Um, going like shop tool. This was a, a like warm up question that I, I had over the summer, I think. Uh, you know, like Saws is good. Um, staple puller is nice. I, I think I'm going to go with like, uh, I don't know what the actual term is, but clown hammer, you know, the large, the large orange mallet, because it's a very calculated <laughs> dead, large dead blow. There you go. Yeah. It's yeah, a very yeah. calculated, but also fun to use tool. Yeah. I thought for sure you were going to say Excel. Excel. Oh, <laughs> I did. I thought we were, I was thinking shop tools. Excel. Is great. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, okay. And to finish up our rapid fire here, uh looking ahead into your future uh whether it's one year or five years out whatever it is or, or longer what is that dream job of yours where would you like to land that dream job um right now uh the the ideal would be um like being either um a dop type of position or production management position on something on the road um i i really like uh faster pace uh events um so not straight plays more more musicals or live concerts so working either on the road or something that's at least semi-mobile um and again in that production management track would be Mm -hmm. be great (laughs) yeah 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 that's semi-mobile stuff with longer sit-downs i recommend that yeah, you're gonna get tired of that bus life soon. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick. Yeah. Uh, uh, cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Well, congratulations, TJ. You have survived the lightning round here of uh, these rapid fire questions. Uh, so thank you for participating. Thank you for your time. Uh, now on to the real reason why you're here. Uh, as, as to remind our listeners. Uh, what we do here during these last calls, besides meet uh, a special guest of ours, we get to listen to a question that's kind of been nagging at that person's head for a while, uh, or maybe not as long. Uh, But also we've discovered that these nagging questions are questions that uh, many other people have had. Uh, So we're here to just, um, again, we've never claimed to be experts here, John, Jen, or myself, but uh, uh, we have been around the block for a couple of times and are happy to share our opinions as to uh, uh, provide some kind of answer to your question and hopefully it prompts uh, for future conversations with other people. So 
TJ, why don't you take us away, take it away and uh, let us know what that prompt is. So as someone that's in their final semester in undergrad, um, graduating into a currently uncertain job market, um, a question that I'm sure a lot of people uh, have, and me in particular, is um, how, do you, how do you know um, whether or not you should go to grad school? And more specifically, when is the right time? Um, especially in, in the current situation, you know, me personally, I feel like maybe this isn't the exact time that I want to jump into grad school being so diversified. Um, I kind of want to focus in more before I spend three years specializing. Um, but we're in a prime time where things are kind of on hiatus. Um, and it would, you know, the opportunity cost is significantly less going now, um, while live events are, um, not as active. That is, that is certainly an interesting caveat that you end at that prompt with, because I think, I think in the long, long ago, in the before times, people would have answered one way, uh, wh whatever their opinions were. But uh, now, yeah, that little caveat of things kind of being on hiatus uh, can definitely influence a person's answer. So. Uh, it's certainly going to make for an interesting conversation and we'll see where this goes. Uh, but yeah, cool. Uh, so thank you very much, TJ, for your time and, uh, and stay tuned for how that conversation goes. And we look forward to keeping in touch with you and let us know as to how, how you deal with that fork in the road that you're dealing with right now. Uh, and we're happy to help out wherever we can in the future. Thank you. And to everybody else, uh, to the rest of our listeners, stay tuned for the response of this prompt on our next episode. Thank you and good night.